Each one of them told me that they loved being here. But I love being back. And, uh, and, and Hillary and I were looking forward to being back. We're continuing in our series called Epic, Heroes and Villains of the Bible. And, uh, and I want, before we jump into the story, I want to ask you if you can relate to having windows in your life, windows that are kind of openings or doors or, 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 or things, they're opportunities, and you know that if you don't seize this moment that that window might close. The window for my professional volleyball career closed a number of years ago. Uh, I was pretty good at volleyball in the past, and, 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 and now I just kind of uh, do it for exercise. There are guys who are still going for it, who are still playing. I go down there and I watch them. I think, man, it would be great to still jump that high. Oh, that looks but, but my window for greatness in volleyball is long gone. Some of your dreams and aspirations of being a pro surfer or being uh, whatever it is that you may have thought about, the window of opportunity, maybe you seized it and the time has passed. Maybe you let that window close. You have a window of opportunity for, uh, to, to really pour into your children's lives while they're in your home before that window of opportunity closes. And, and maybe you know what it is to have this thing, this maybe this possibility that you're on the brink of and you're trying to discern, is this where I'm supposed to jump in, take a leap of faith, embrace this possibility, or am I going to let this moment pass me by? Is this a window where I will seize the day and go for it, or will I let this moment close? We're going to look at, uh, at the Old Testament. We're going to be in... Joshua chapter 2, and um, before we go there, I mean, the Bible is just such a fascinating thing. We have characters in this, in this book that are not boring. They are real. They're, 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 they're messy. Their lives are interesting and fascinating, and we go to this book, and we look at it time and time again because it still speaks, and the story that we're going to read today is PG-13. It, it, it's not the kind of hero from the Bible that you would expect us to talk about. Before I tell you why, let me just read you something from, from Matthew chapter 1. This is the genealogy, a little snippet of the genealogy of Jesus. So the guy that we believe was God who put on skin to come down to earth to relate to us and then to die for us so that we could live and have a relationship with God and live for eternity in connection with our designer and our creator. That's who we believe Jesus is. And in his lineage, it was really important to the authors of the Gospels, the, the, the newer part of the Bible, it was really important to them that they communicated the family line from which Jesus came. Matthew 1.5 says, Salmon, like, like the fish, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the dad of Jesse, who gave birth to a bunch of boys. One of them's name was David, who became King David. And we know that Jesus came from that bloodline, from that family line. He was a part of that family, which you think, no big deal, except when you look at that word Rahab. Because anyone who knew the Jewish tradition would see that word, that name, and they would think, no. No. The prostitute? Rahab... Rahab the prostitute? 
King David and then Jesus, the Messiah, the, the, the Savior of the world, came from that lineage? There are scholars still today that, are, that still try to disprove it. They still try to convince people, no, 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 it must have been a different Rahab. Because they just don't know what to do with that. Why, why would God want to make this so clear and so known? Why would he include that? He didn't have to add the mom's name. He could have left that out. But he wanted us to know Rahab, the prostitute, is in Jesus' family line. Now, you might be thinking, I don't care. I've, I know prostitutes and whatever. But in that culture, that was crazy. They were like the lowest on the, on the cultural totem pole. They were the outsiders. Them and tax collectors, they were despised. Tax collectors, because they cheated people out of their money. And prostitutes, they, you know, did what they did and do. And, and, and people just, there was no getting around it. That was frowned on no matter what culture you came from. Uh, so jumping to Joshua chapter 2, here's, here's the storyline. You've got the people of God, the Israelites, and they've been in captivity in Egypt. And then you know the story of Moses and let my people go. And then they take this two, three million people out of Egypt, leads them across the Red Sea. And then, it come, and then the waters come down and crush the, the um, Pharaoh's army. And they're all washed away. And the people are looking back like, Close one. That's, that's amazing, right? One of those like monumental miracles. And then they march around for 40 days because they can't get it right. And God's like, oh, these people are so stubborn and frustrating. And then Moses ends up dying and Joshua is handed the baton. Joshua is now the general, the leader. He's taking the people finally, after all these years, into the promised land. That's his job. He gets to lead them. These, these grumbling, complaining people, we're finally there. We're going in. This is the land that God is, has destined for us. And so Joshua conquers people. And he says, this is going to be our land. You guys will not stand in our way. They conquered this army. Now there's this city that's surrounded by these huge walls. And they hear that Joshua and the army is coming for them. And they close the drawbridge. They kind of, they hunker down. They, they, they've heard about the Red Sea thing. Uh, they've heard about the conquest. They've heard that, that, that some mysterious God must be with these people. And so they are nervous. Joshua, low profile, sends a couple of spies. He says, we're going to go take Jericho is the city. We're going to go take Jericho. I want you guys to go spot it out. See if you can find some chinks in the armor, some weaknesses. See what's there and see if God's going to give this city into our hands. And so the two spies go, and they, and they check it out. And they find their way into an inn, the Bible says, which is parentheses brothel. So when you are outsiders and you're trying to be inconspicuous and not noticed, you don't check into the Holiday Inn Express. You, you, you find somewhere where people aren't going to be snooping around. So they found this kind of this inn where Rahab ran, and it was... Part in, part brothel. And Rahab was herself a prostitute. But Rahab had heard of this army. She'd heard of this mysterious God who'd been giving victories to this people, this Israelite people. And she sees these spies and she says to them, I actually believe that your God is the real God and that you guys are going to come and, and conquer our city, our, 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 this space. And I kind of want to be on your side. And so here, here, here. I'm going to hide you guys because I want you to find safety and I want to find favor with you. 
And so she hides them. And the Bible says in Joshua chapter 2, Now then, please swear to me, Rahab asks, by the Lord, that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. So they said, agreed. If you let us go free, and if you don't send your army to kill us, as we run from here, back to Joshua and our army, then we, will, then we will preserve whoever you have in your home, in this inn, brothel. We will preserve their lives when we come and take over the city. And so she says, okay, I'm in, we'll do that, let's do this. And so the mark, the sign that is going to indicate to us that you're with us is that you're going to put a red cord like this out of your window so that your window will be recognizable. And then what they did was they climbed out of this window and went down a rope and went this way. And Rahab told the soldiers that came looking for the spies, they went that way. So she lived up to her bargain and they lived up to theirs. When the army marched and the walls came down around Jericho, she and her family were all spared. It's a famous story. It's a big deal. They march around for seven days. They're blowing trumpets. They shout. There's probably an earthquake. The walls just come down, and all the Israelites just kind of step over the rubble like, thank you, we'll take this place. But she is spared. Now, I'm going to kind of build to why this is so significant. I want you to look at why... why I think so, in James chapter 2, verse 25. This is really interesting. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God. Rahab, the prostitute, was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. She was right with God. Not because of her background, Not because of her vocation, not because how she spent the previous week, not because she studied the Torah, Israel's book of law, really quick while they were there, not because she memorized the right Bible verses, not because they gave her a little blessing and now you're... No. In that moment, when Rahab the prostitute chose to put her faith in the God of the universe instead of the world that she knew she was right with God. In that moment, when she seized the moment, when she saw that window, her window in the wall of Jericho, showing out to this unknown land where these Jewish people were going to come in and take her and her family into something that she had no idea what would happen next. When she let the spies go and said, I want to be with you. I trust your God, not what's happening here. In that moment, she was right with God. Not after some festival of repentance and cleanliness and And after 60 days of no more prostituting acts, then, you know, in that moment, the Bible says she was made right with God. 
Today, friends, from the story of Rahab, there's a couple of things that I feel like God wants to say to us. And the first is that you and I can have faith even when you are far from God. Even when you feel far from God. Even when you've done the bad stuff. Even when you haven't listened, haven't paid attention, have done your own thing, and not done what he told you to do, in that moment when you say, I put my faith in you, not in what I know here, not in the life that I've been living kind of in my own, what I've wanted to do, not in the way that the people around me say that we should live, but I put my faith in you in that moment. You are right with God. Some of you are like, yeah, but you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I've been in prison for. You don't know the people that I've hurt. You don't know the shame that hangs on me. Or maybe, you know, I, I've gone to church my whole life, but I haven't done like the really bad stuff on the sin scale. If there's a sin scale, I'm like a four or a five, you know. But that dude's like a nine or a ten. Are you saying it's the same for him? Yep. Rahab, the prostitute, is the hero of this story. And not only is God willing to make her and make you and make me right with him in a moment, but he's even willing to use her brothel as a shelter for the Jewish spies. He's even willing to use your darkness to use your shame, to use the things that you regret, to use the failures and the mistakes that you've made, to be a shelter, to be a saving grace for other people. When I've talked about the fact with you that I went through a divorce that was brutal and the circumstances around that painful, it opens a door for some of you to be able to relate to me. And maybe I become a safe place for you. But perhaps when we bring people up here or share a story on the video with someone who has been an alcoholic, it it becomes a shelter for you, a saving grace for you. And you think, if they can be made right with God, if they can start over, if they can have hope, maybe I can too. When we share our stories, when we deal with them honestly, put our faith in God and say, this is me. I was Rahab the prostitute. That story can become a shelter and a saving grace for someone else. But it requires that leap of faith. Your story, your past, your darkness, when dealt with honestly, does not disqualify you, friends. It gives you a mission. It gives you the opportunity to share hope with people who can't relate to me can't relate to her, but they can relate to you. And if you're someone who's like, yeah, but you're talking about a prostitute, and, you know, I just, you know, cheat a little bit on my taxes. Like, I don't know what, you know, this is kind of the, you may not be a prostitute. You may not have sold your body, but you've sold out You've sold out. You've sold out for money, perhaps. You've sold out for reputation or image, persona. You've sold yourself for pleasure, for comfort, maybe for a little slice of fame. 
Maybe for a relationship to feel connected to somebody else, you've sold out. It might not have the tag of prostitute, but friends, it's all the same. We all sell out at some level. But Rahab's redemption came when she chose to sell out everything that she knew and put her faith in this God. And it changed in that moment. In case you're not quite with me yet, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. And then the next verse says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. This chapter in Hebrews is called the Hall of Fame of faith. And you need to recognize here, let's throw that verse back up just for a second. You need to recognize here that Rahab is the next sentence after two of the most memorable celebrated events in the history of God's people. The crossing of the Red Sea where millions were impacted. And when an entire city and all their huge thick walls crumble to the ground and the Israelites take it over. The very next sentence is, and by faith Rahab. Oh, you mean the prostitute? She's right there with those stories? Joshua, the hero who leads the army, and who leads all the people to inherit the promised land, is lifted up less in the New Testament than Rahab the prostitute. God is trying to tell us something. More than conquering cities, more than big Red Sea exploits, God is interested in the redemption of lives. God is interested in transformation. There is no one who is too far outside of his reach. There is no one who has done too much bad stuff. There is no one who can't get back and be right with him just like that. He's telling a story here, and it's different than some of us grew up understanding. I hope that when you tell the story to your kids about Jericho, and there's this old song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. And as a little kid with the flannel graphs, I used to be like, yeah, we'll take them. This is awesome. God, do something like that in my time. This is so great. Please never tell that story without also noting and when it comes to the New Testament and the story of Jesus and the story of God and the legacy for our church, Jericho and the Red Sea are an asterisk next to the story of a prostitute named Rahab who in a moment made a decision to leave everything that she knew and put her trust in that God. Maybe there's a window for you. Maybe for you, it's, it's God's prompting you and saying, you've never really fully trusted me, but you can today. 
maybe your leap of faith is to say, I am with you. I know I've known about you and I've been around people that are with you, but today I'm all in. I'm with you. I'm going to leave behind this world that I know, this, this lifestyle that I know, this thing that I've done, this place that I've been, and I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to seize this window before it's gone. Maybe for some of you it's not that faith. Maybe you already have a strong faith, but maybe it's something else that God's inviting you into. Maybe your leap of faith has to do with trusting him into a next step. Maybe you've been on the perimeter just hanging out, and maybe he's saying, I don't want you to be an observer. I want you to be a contributor. Or perhaps it's having a hard conversation with somebody, sharing your hope that you have with somebody else who's hurting. Whatever that is, whatever your leap of faith is, the key is to, have, to put your faith in God above whatever else, above the other circumstances, above a person, above other ideas. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Another thing that I believe God is saying to us this morning, that he's whispering through his word, is that he has no categories or stigmas. Those things are around us in the world that we live in, but they're not in God's eyes. He doesn't see Rahab the prostitute and me, the pastor. He sees Caleb, and he sees Rahab, and he sees you. There are no categories for him. God is faithful in this story to his people as they march through and he gives them the land and all that's great. He's also faithful to individual people, to individual persons. The rest of the story goes that, uh, that Joshua, the spies come back and they come to Joshua and they say, so they're trembling in their boots, you know. I mean, we're going to go and we're going to take this city and I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be awesome. They're scared of us. Um, but there's this, this one thing. Um, we, we got shelter in a brothel, uh, and we met a girl named Rahab, and he's like, Joshua, you know, did I send the right guys? Uh, you, wait, wait, wait. You did, you, I'm sorry, you did, you, no, 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 it's not like that. We, but, but, but we went there just to kind of like be protected, be safe, and, and, and she actually said that she believes and our God, like she wants to be spared. And she hit us, and she protected us, and she set us out her window, and she took advantage of that moment, and here we are. And, and so there's Joshua, the leader of this army and these millions of people, about to take over the promised land. He says, okay, we'll, we'll save Rahab. We'll, she'll, she'll be with us. We'll protect her. Joshua 6, 25 says, Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua sent to spy, as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Imagine being her family. It's an interesting turn of events if you're Rahab's dad. 
Because it doesn't matter what culture you're in. No dad's proud of their daughter, the prostitute. But when she comes to the family and she says, hey, this is what's going down. Um, they're about to come. They're about to take over our city. But if you guys are in my brothel, um, then you'll be saved. So the whole family trusts her and piles in. And sure enough, the Israelites come in. They take over the city, and they bring out her family. And the Bible says that they are still among them to that day when this was written. Because she seized a window of opportunity, because she took a leap of faith, not only her own life, but her whole family's life was spared. Friends, faith is never ideal. It's always inconvenient. There's always risk involved. You might feel like you're going to let somebody else down. You might be scared you might be mad at me even right now because of this message, and you're like, I, I, uh, I don't want to even. But when God gives you a window, and when he speaks to you and says, now's the time, I want you to do that thing. I want you to talk to that person. I want you to make that sacrifice. I want you to step in with both feet. I want you to be part of my community. I want you to do this. Our job is just to say, I put my trust in you. And then the second thing that we do is we embrace new beginnings. We embrace new beginnings. There's a couple in our church who met on the job. The gentleman was the owner of the company, and she was an administrative assistant. They gave me permission to share this story uh, because it's not a pretty one. They ended up having an affair, and they were both married, and they both had families. Their affair cost them both of their respective families. Their families, for a while, didn't want anything to do with them. They actually even lost all their friends because this was so ugly. The way it played out was just gross, and it was such a bummer. And so they were on the outside. They didn't have community. They just had each other. They ended up getting married. And then one Sunday, they found their way to Mariner's Church, and they show up. And no one knew who they were, but they sat in the back, and they heard the message, and they felt a sense of hope, and they felt a sense that maybe there wasn't shame. Maybe they could be here. They started after that serving just in small ways, helping cleaning up and tearing down. And then after a year of that, they decided that they should jump in and do Rooted and, and were willing to host a life group in their home. Friends, a few years later, a number of years later, whatever it is, seven or something like that, there are elders in our church. Because God is the God of new beginnings and second chances for you and for them. Not just my friends, but for your friends. For the people outside of here, for the people that you know, the people that you're going to see at lunch, the people that you're going to come in contact with. And here's the question. Will you embrace new beginnings for you, for yourself, but also for them? Because grace looks good on paper, but when Rahab and her whole family come 
with the Israelite people. They have to stay somewhere. And I doubt she has the best table manners. And I I bet she swears a lot. And I bet there's some messiness involved. But Salmon, who we read about in the beginning, is believed to be one of those spies who married Rahab, who then had kids, who had grandkids and grandkids, and one of them ends up being King David. And then down the road, there's Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, because he's not afraid, and he wants to make sure that you know that he comes from that lineage because he is the God of second chances. He is the God of new beginnings. He is the God of redemption. But when the rubber meets the road and there's strippers and prostitutes in your row, are you going to be okay with that? Some of the guys are like, yep, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm a... Don't miss my point. When, when that guy who you know cheated on his wife shows up here, Will he be welcome? When that person who did you wrong in a business deal comes here, will that be okay with you? Will you embrace redemption and second chances for you and for them? Today is a message about taking a leap of faith through a window that is open It may not be open forever. Maybe for some of you, it's that first decision to say, I will follow this God. I will put my trust and my hope in this God. Maybe that leap of faith faith looks very different for others of you. But I put this red cord in all of your bulletins because I want you to grab it. If you would even just take it and hold it now, I want you to take it with you. And I want you to allow it to remind you this week and in days to come of two things. One, let it remind you of redemption, that you are forgiven, that your past is washed away and clean, that what the world meant as a scarlet letter, God has made a symbol of hope and of a new beginning. Let this remind you of redemption and let it inspire you, second, to take a leap of faith, to seize that moment. Before that window closes, jump in. Take the next step. Sacrifice. Take a risk. Do what you've been afraid of. Have the conversation that you don't want. Invite the people that you're afraid will say no. Take that person to dinner and make it right. Will you take that leap of faith, whatever it is? God, I pray that you continue to speak. We thank you for your generous grace for us and for our friends and family around us. Now, God, give us courage to respond and say yes as you lead us from here in Jesus' name.